Good afternoon, everyone. I'm here today with Dr. Henshaw to provide an update on COVID-19 in Alberta, including provincial data from June 14th to June 20th. I'm pleased to share that all the indicators continue to drop, including our PCR test positivity rate and wastewater levels. Between June 14th and June 20th, our average PCR test positivity rate was about 12.2%, which is a decrease of approximately 1.6% from the previous week. Wastewater signals have trended down for two months, and while there's some fluctuation, the levels in the seven largest cities are now at or approaching the levels last fall before Omicron. As transmission has decreased, so too have our level of hospitalizations. On February 26th, when we announced that Alberta was moving to step two of our transition, there were 12,095 Albertans in hospital with COVID. As of this past Monday, they were 661. There's also been a further reduction in our province's intensive care units, where there were 17 people with COVID as of Monday, down from 88 when we announced step two. We continue to follow the data and make the best decisions on public health measures that we can, balancing the risk from the virus with the burden of public health measures. We're entering a phase where the pandemic response can be de-escalated. While we remain vigilant and prepared to respond to new variants that may drive another wave of cases and hospital admissions. Our ongoing COVID-19 response will enable us to manage COVID-19 in a way that builds on the way we manage other respiratory diseases, protecting people from severe outcomes and limiting pressure on our healthcare system. A system for managing public health threats existed before the pandemic, and Alberta will resume much of this previous approach while incorporating essential lessons learned from COVID-19. This will include things such as maintaining a surveillance program to monitor for emerging threats, optimizing a testing strategy to support early treatment for eligible Albertans, and maintaining a framework for implementing protective measures and outbreak response in high-risk settings when needed. Building a longer-term response means using sustainable tools to keep needed protections in place. That's why, even though masking is no longer required on public transportation and isolation is no longer mandatory, masking will continue to be required at all AHS and contracted health facilities through their own policy. Other community health providers, such as physicians, pharmacists, or physiotherapy clinics, may also have this policy in place and it is important to follow their requirements. This will help protect sick and vulnerable patients seeking medical care from exposure to COVID-19. We also recognize that residents in continuing care settings are among the most vulnerable to severe outcomes and are continuing to benefit from additional layers of protection. That is why residents will continue to be a priority for additional booster doses and are among those eligible for antiviral treatments. And while CMOH orders for continuing care will be rescinded on June 30th, as we move away from our COVID emergency response, protective policies will remain in place through operating standards at continuing care facilities, recognizing the risk of COVID is not going to go away. These practices will help safeguard vulnerable residents from COVID-19 transmission in their residences. I ask every Albertan to follow these rules when and where they are in place. By respecting them, you are helping to protect the most vulnerable among us. Together, we've taken another step forward as a province 
and returning to a more normal way of life. And we're not alone in making these changes. Jurisdictions around the world are going in the same direction. In Canada, BC, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, and Saskatchewan have all ended the vast majority of their provincial restrictions, and the federal government is scaling back travel mandates. Despite these changes, I want to reassure Albertans that we are not forgetting about COVID or overlooking its challenges. We know that COVID-19 will continue to circulate in Alberta and around the world. And we expect the return of other respiratory viruses this fall, which will also impact our healthcare system. I continue to be committed to protecting all Albertans' overall health and well-being. Surveillance, testing, and vaccination continue to be critical to our ability to live with COVID. And we need to be adaptable. So we're developing plans to respond to a seasonal rise in cases this fall and winter. We'll retain capacity to assist in outbreak response in high-risk settings and protect our most vulnerable. AHS will continue to monitor for outbreaks in acute care settings and respond on a site-specific basis. Outbreaks in continuing care settings, corrections, and shelters will be managed by operators in collaboration with AHS. And AHS will maintain a team trained in outbreak management to respond to specific needs. But outside of higher-risk settings, our pandemic response can begin to be scaled down. Later this summer, we'll begin transitioning some AHS assessment centers to swabbing sites that are integrated with other services. Testing will still be available for those who are eligible. Primary care providers will be able to choose to do testing on-site in their clinics or to order testing at AHS swabbing centers as needed to inform treatment decisions. Where testing is needed to support public health interventions, such as the testing of healthcare workers, AHS swabbing sites will remain accessible. This change will allow healthcare workers who were deployed to assessment centers for the last two years to return to their regular roles and support other health services. Rapid tests will continue to be an essential tool and we're receiving regularly scheduled monthly shipments. We'll continue to provide rapid tests through pharmacies free of charge. We'll also continue to offer and promote vaccines to give people the best protection available against COVID. COVID vaccines will continue to be available at hundreds of pharmacies across our province. We'll continue to work to ensure access to antivirals such as Paxlovid for eligible Albertans as well. We'll continue to provide weekly reporting on local transmission trends so people can make decisions about what precautions are right for them. And we'll continue to add capacity right across our entire healthcare system, from EMS to home care. We need to give the system more ability to manage any future wave of COVID-19, but we need to do much more than that. The system was subject to too much strain at peak times, even before COVID, and we need to reduce it. And we need to improve access to care, not just to get back to what was normal before COVID, but recognize that normal wasn't good enough back then, and we need to do better. And we're making progress. I announced recently that the first 19 ICU beds were staffed and open out of the 50 that we funded in budget 2022. And as I said, AHS would continue to work on opening them as fast as they could recruit. As of today, another five beds are open, so we're up to 24 out of the 50. And in just four months, and that is just in four months since we announced the funding for those beds in our budget. And we're pressing ahead across the system, adding staff as fast as AHS 
and other employers can recruit them. Adding skilled people does not mean there are no shortfalls. The system remains under real strain in Alberta and across the country, and indeed in other countries. AHS and their partners continue to struggle with staff shortages in spite of the fact that the workforce is growing. At the same time, of course, the system is managing a wave of patients for several reasons. We've never seen anything like the disruption of healthcare over the past two years due to COVID, and it continues, continues to strain the system in new ways. Visits to emergency, family doctors, and other services dropped sharply early in the pandemic. And now many of those same patients are coming back into the system and they're sicker than they otherwise would have been. This care deficit is real and it's another feature of the pandemic we've never seen before. We also have an immunity deficit and we're seeing this in a late flu season and increases in other types of infections. And of course, there are still lots of patients with COVID, although those numbers are finally declining. It's been a tough two years and it's not over, but we are moving forward learning to live with COVID, at the same time strengthening our health system so it'll be there for Albertans when they need it and ultimately be better than it was even before COVID. Thank you. And with that, I'd like to invite Dr. Hinshaw to provide her update. Thank you, Minister, and good afternoon, everyone. I would like to start by providing a short update on monkeypox in Alberta. Through our ongoing monitoring, we have identified one additional case. I can report all cases are in Edmonton and Calgary zones. This new adult case is a known close contact to a case outside of the province, which means the overall risk in the province remains low. This virus does not spread easily between people, but close contact of any kind can transmit it. Anyone with any new kind of rash, whatever the cause, should avoid direct contact with others to limit spread. Turning to today's COVID update, between Tuesday, June 14th and Monday, June 20th, our PCR test positivity rate ranged from 8.7 to 14.9%, with an average of 12.3% for the week. As you heard, currently there are 661 people with COVID in hospital, including 17 in the ICU. Sadly, between June 14th and 20th, 13 deaths related to COVID-19 were reported to Alberta Health. It is important to remind ourselves that each number is a person and that COVID remains a threat in our communities. My thoughts are with the family and friends of these Albertans and anyone who has lost a loved one recently, no matter the cause. I know Albertans have felt a variety of emotions since we entered step three last week, ranging from relief to frustration to discomfort. Some may experience all of these emotions and many others mixed together, and every response needs to be heard. As the minister said, there is no single perfect solution or risk-free option in dealing with COVID. Around the world, jurisdictions have made difficult decisions to protect the lives and well-being of their people and the healthcare systems that take care of them. Together, we have learned a great deal about this virus. And by working together, we will be better positioned to succeed in this next stage at finding the right balance in our response. We know our personal risk factors that we should consider and what steps that we can take each day to limit transmission. And most importantly, we have vaccines that are highly effective in protecting us from the most severe outcomes. This is why we can continue to scale down our emergency crisis response to this pandemic and begin to manage by building on the foundation we have in place 
for dealing with other respiratory viruses. As the minister said, part of the scaling down will include rescinding CMOH orders in continuing care on June 30th. We are working with operators to transition important preventive and outbreak management measures into the routine practice of managing infectious diseases in these settings. This means that many COVID-19 protections will remain in place, such as managing symptomatic residents with testing, isolation, and PPE protections, implementing outbreak protocols when needed to reduce transmission among residents, and continuous masking for staff and visitors in long-term care, designated supportive living, and hospices, which will be maintained through Alberta Health Services organizational policy to protect these high-risk environments as transmission risk remains high. Incorporating what we have learned from COVID into routine practices in these settings will be especially important during the colder months ahead when we expect a rise in COVID cases as well as seasonal influenza and other respiratory viruses. I know that many have asked why we have shifted the isolation requirement to a recommendation if we expect cases to rise in the fall. As the Minister has mentioned, we are not alone in moving from legal requirements to recommendations, as other jurisdictions have also lifted their orders. While COVID will continue to pose a risk, we are no longer in a place where we need an emergency public health order to remind us that we should stay home when we are unwell. We continue to recommend that Albertans monitor for core COVID-19 symptoms and use the free rapid tests available across the province. Please stay home until you're feeling better, even if you have a negative rapid test result. There are other viruses like influenza circulating in our communities that can cause serious illness. I would also like to remind Albertans that living with COVID-19 does not mean that it is going away. It means that we have the tools at our disposal to lift mandatory emergency public health measures and transition to other approaches to minimize risk. And it means that vaccines will continue to be critical in protecting our health, our loved ones, and the healthcare system. This is why I strongly recommend that every Albertan get every dose they are eligible for. We continue to follow the National and Alberta Advisory Committees on Immunizations guidance on COVID-19 vaccinations. If and when eligibility requirements for vaccine series and booster doses change, we will be sure to update Albertans and make the vaccines available to those who need them. Fortunately, we have a robust provincial vaccination program that has proven capable of quickly and efficiently administering doses to Albertans of all ages. I know that some Albertans will also have questions on how they can stay informed about developments on COVID-19 and be prepared for times of increased transmission. As the Minister mentioned, we have been preparing for the fall and will continue to monitor data here and abroad. We will continue to screen for new variants and subvariants emerging in the province and keep up wastewater surveillance to have a sense of transmission levels in communities. Information will continue to be posted online for Albertans to use to inform their daily decisions based on their own risk and context. That being said, we will be making some adjustments to our reporting over the summer. There will be no changes for the next several weeks as we monitor for any impacts from lifting this last stage of measures. Later this summer, however, we will be implementing a more sustainable approach to monitoring that will result in several changes to the dashboard. Even after these changes, updates will continue to be provided weekly to keep Albertans informed of the current levels of risk in their communities and trends across the province. In the fall, we will update our reporting in line with our influenza dashboard so Albertans can see a consistent picture of what respiratory virus trends are like. 
In line with this transition, I would like to let you know that this will be our last regularly scheduled COVID-19 update. We remain committed to the transparent communication of important public health information, and we will, of course, provide updates as necessary. I would like to end today by thanking all Albertans who have worked together to keep our communities healthy and safe. By following mandatory and recommended public health measures and accessing the protection of vaccines, you have each played an essential role in getting us to today. And by taking simple actions each day, we can continue to protect one another in the weeks and months ahead. Thank you, and we're happy to take questions. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw and Minister. Uh, we've got reporters on the phone. Uh, no one here in Edmonton, but I think we have reporters in the room in Calgary. So we've worked mostly on the phone up to now. So we'll start on the phone for one, and then we'll go to the room in Calgary. So first caller, please. Emily Mertz, Global News. Hi, thank you. I'm wondering if we can get an update on vaccination rates, specifically in children. Um, and what is the government doing to increase the low rate of uh, booster shots in children? So I'll start, and then perhaps uh, Dr. Hinshaw can uh, can supplement. Uh, so again, uh, we continue to uh, enable um, parents to go get uh, shots for uh, for kids across the entire across the entire province uh, province, and that includes at uh, at pharmacies. Um, you know, we did, and I was very pleased to get a. Uh, a report from a vaccine advisory committee um, and, and making suggestions of, of how do we provide more information out there. Uh, we did provide more information and uh, we did, uh, you know, and you may have seen some of the billboards of campaign that, and urging people uh, to get all the shots that they're uh, they're eligible for. Uh, Dr. Hinshaw, if you can comment, I just don't have in front of me the, the current, uh, the percentage of vaccination for uh, children. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, thanks, Minister. I don't have the specific numbers at my fingertips, but happy to take that offline and get those numbers um, through our communications team. Sure. Thanks for that. We can follow up with the reporter separately. Uh, and uh, Emily, uh, follow up? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm just wondering if the Fed's updated definition of what fully vaccinated is um, will affect anything here in Alberta. I mean, does the province have to update any definitions, uh, especially if and when you start offering forced doses? Yeah, so, so we're not looking at updating our, our vaccine definition at this time. Uh, Dr. Hinshaw, do you want anything further to add? Uh, the only thing I would add is that clinically we remain completely aligned with the National Advisory Committee on Immunization with respect to the doses that people would be recommended to have to have full protection. So anyone who is recommended to receive uh, an additional dose should receive that to be considered up to date with the protection that vaccines offer. Uh, but given that the Alberta government doesn't have a vaccine policy like the federal government does, um, there's not really a, a policy lever. Again, clinically, we continue to recommend additional doses to those groups who benefit most from them and would be completely aligned with respect to that clinical recommendation as we have been throughout the pandemic. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, we'll go to the room in Calgary. I'm sorry, I can't see the room, so I don't know who's there. I just had a report that there was at least one reporter there. So whoever's first, please uh, come to the mic, let us know who you are and go ahead. Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. I have a question and a follow-up, and I'd appreciate it if both Minister Copping and Dr. Hinshaw answered both the main question and the follow-up. So the main question is, 
Um, yesterday, a very high-profile politician who is in the running to, in the running at least, to possibly be the next premier of Alberta, uh, vowed that in future COVID scenarios, no matter what they were, there would she would pledge no lockdowns, no public, no full lockdowns, no partial lockdowns, no half lockdowns, no quarter lockdowns, and no restrictions on the general public. So she's not ruling out masks for long-term care homes, but no restrictions on the general public, which would include masks for the general public, uh, ever. So basically no restrictions on the general public ever, no lockdowns, partial or otherwise, ever, which is, of course, a big difference from the response of every province in Canada when COVID was on. So First Minister Copping and uh, please also Dr. Hinshaw. Well, uh, thanks for the comment there, Rick. I, I didn't actually hear the, the exact comments made by uh, um, that, that candidate. So I can't, I can't, I can only respond it, to what you blunt. told me um, in terms blunt. of, in, in terms of what, what she said. You know, I, you know, when we take a look at the choices that we made uh, historically, uh, we recognized um, that it needed to be a balance, right? A balance based on the tools that you have available at the time, and based on the nature of the the uh, of the disease that we were dealing with at the time. And I fully appreciate that that has changed over time. Uh, the nature of the disease. When we made some choices uh, to put in um, uh, some measures to uh, protect Albertans, uh, that was in you know recognition of the nature of, uh, of of you know for example the Delta wave at that point in time, and, and it was trying to strike a balance because on the one hand you know you look at choices that that we made. Uh, at that point in time to try to, you know, not only protect our healthcare system, but uh, protect the lives of Albertans uh, and trying to minimize the impact because there's, there's negative, there's, there's, uh, uh, there's negative impacts on both the measures you put in place and dealing with, dealing with Delta. So it's always trying to find a balance. You look at certain other jurisdictions, uh, like particularly in the U S which has a death rate three times higher than, than Alberta. You look at some of the assessments that was done during in terms of Albertans, uh, Alberta policy choices that we made, that we tended to have, uh, the fewer restrictions than we, than, than you saw across the, uh, the, the country, uh, and still a, a death rate, you know, at, at, at certain points of time, when we look at, you know, the, the last analysis I saw lower than the average, uh, within the country. So these are all, all choices. That we made, and it's also you know now the one thing that when, I, when we look looking forward and we learn to live with COVID, you know what do we have going for us now? Well, we have vaccines in a relatively high level, you know, people with two vaccines uh, vaccination rate. Um, we have antivirals that we can depend upon. Um, we we are expanding capacity within our healthcare system, and that was one of the number one jobs that was given to me by the premier when I became uh, uh, minister of health. And and also we understand that the generally speaking, the nature of viruses like COVID-19, as you, as you go through different variants, uh, tend to be, be perhaps more transmissible, um, but less severe. And we're, and we're seeing that being borne out uh, in, uh, in COVID, uh, or sorry, with the Omicron waves. And I'm hopeful that trend continues because that's what the science says. But is there a guarantee it is going to? The answer is no. Um, so all we can do is deal with the situation that's in front of it uh, and make the best choices that we can with the tools that we have and, and strike the right balance. Thanks for that, Minister. Uh, Rick, we'll go to your follow-up. No, no, I was I was wanting an answer from Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, so, as I have done throughout the pandemic, going forward, I will always provide my best advice based on available evidence and the balance of risk of, risks and harms 
that the minister has spoken to. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. So, Rick, we'll go to your follow-up. Uh, I, I think I'm going to kind of ask it again because I, I'm not quite clear. Are you folks in favor of no lockdowns and no restrictions ever, no matter the COVID situation? So that is basically what's on the table. What's on the table is a pledge from a leading politician that if they become premier, there will be no, it doesn't matter what COVID is uh, or how intense or what the balancing act is. There will be no, under no circumstances, no lockdowns, no partial lockdowns, no restrictions on the general public, period, full stop. And it was contained in a, a video that lasted about a minute. So it was that blunt. I am asking for uh, from the minister an opinion of what you think of that policy. Do you agree with that policy or not? And then I, I'm asking Dr. Hinshaw, as, a, as our top public health doctor, what do you think of the idea of never even having the possibility of a lockdown in the future. Yeah, from, from, from my perspective, and I know that is, again, I haven't heard the exact comments being made, uh, but from my perspective, you know, we certainly hope with all the tools that we don't need to ever go there again. Uh, but uh, as um, we don't know what the future is going to bring, we don't know what a new variant, variant may look like, uh, but our approach, quite frankly, is to minimize any impact um, with uh, with restrictions while being able to manage uh, manage the uh, uh, manage the risk and and we'll have to make a judgment at that point in time. And Dr. Hinshaw, I would just add that um, the experience over the past two years, I think, has given all of us a lesson in humility. We don't know what's coming at us in the future, and so I would um, just say that. I will continue to evaluate the situation and provide my recommendations, which would include whatever measures I believe would be appropriate, and then it would be up to elected officials to make policy decisions. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. I think that's it for the room in Calgary, but I'm sorry if I'm mistaken. If there's another reporter in Calgary, please just come to the mic and let us know if you're there. There's not, 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 no other reporters okay. here. Thanks, Minister. So uh, with that, we'll go back to the phone for two more callers. Jason Herring, Calgary Herald. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. Alberta Health says it can't provide detailed information on COVID-19 vaccine supply and expirations. So I'm wondering what you can tell me about expiration of vaccine doses in Alberta's inventory and what the province is doing to encourage Albertans who are eligible for vaccine doses to get immunized to help use up doses which may expire soon. Our Public Health and Compliance Division is responsible for vaccine inventory, so I'm afraid I don't have details with respect to the quantities and expiration dates available to me. What I know is that we continue to make uh, strong recommendations. As the Minister mentioned earlier, there are advertising campaigns that are underway right now to encourage Albertans to receive all doses that they're eligible for. And uh, we are working to prepare for what we anticipate will be uh, a need to provide additional boosters in the fall season, just as we do with influenza, and to consider what uh, additional work we may need to do to encourage Albertans to get whatever doses they would be eligible for at that time. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, Jason, I think the department's already working on that request, so they'll get back to you with whatever they can tell you. So a follow-up? Yeah, 
yeah, for sure. So I did want to ask about fourth dose eligibility. Um, currently, it is fairly restrictive. Only those 70 plus uh, in the general population currently eligible. What is there any current plans to expand this eligibility? And if not, why not? We've really closely uh, worked with the National Advisory Committee on Immunization and our own Alberta Advisory Committee on Immunization with respect to who benefits most from additional doses of vaccine. What we know right now is the most important impact of vaccine is to protect against severe outcomes. And what we've seen in our data is that Albertans younger than 70 have a good protection level against severe outcomes from that third dose or that first booster. And so, uh, as you may know, the National Advisory Committee's last recommendation was a strong recommendation for those 80 and older to receive that additional booster or fourth dose for most, and a discretionary recommendation that provinces could consider adding those 70 and older, which, of course, we have done, as you know. Um, we will continue to look at emerging evidence and look for the National Advisory Committee on Immunization if there's any updates that they're providing but there is regular analysis of the groups who benefit most from vaccine. And that's really where we're targeting our eligibility is those who uh, receiving that extra dose is needed to increase their protection against severe outcomes. Currently available data indicates that there again is very strong protection against severe outcomes from the doses that are currently available for those who are younger. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, we'll take one last caller. I think that's everyone who's on the phone anyway. So caller, uh, sorry, operator, we'll go to the final call, please. Kevin Mimic, CTV. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. In February, you said you hadn't eaten at a restaurant in the two years of the pandemic. Is that still the case? I have been to a restaurant since February. <laughs> Follow-up, Kevin? Thank you very much. I'd love to hear about uh, what you're doing in terms of personal use of a mask. Are you wearing a mask at all indoor settings, and would you recommend that to others? Uh, so our transmission risk at this time, our, our percent positivity in lab testing is uh, is still over 10%, which is the peak uh, positivity prior to the Omicron wave that we saw in previous waves. So personally, I think it's very prudent to wear a mask in indoor settings when positivity rates are 10% or higher. And so I do continue to wear a mask and uh, understand, of course, that People will be making their own decisions at this point in time. But uh, again, the, um, the metrics that are available on our public website do allow people to look at what zone-based positivity rates are, what those trends are, and to use that information to determine how they want to go about their daily lives, what precautions make the most sense for their particular context and risk factors. Uh, and I do think it's still prudent to be wearing masks in indoor settings. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, that concludes the newser for today. And as Dr. Hinshaw noted, uh, uh, that's it for regularly scheduled newsers on this for now. So thanks, uh, Dr. Hinshaw and Minister Copping, and we'll uh, see you all later.